spent the night in sleeplessness and rose at every sound half in hopeless sorrow and half in fear the day would find the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away and just before the sunrise I heard something at the wall the gate began to rattle and the voice began to call hurried to the window looked down into the street expecting swords and torches and the sound of soldiers feet there was no one there but Mary so I went down to let her in and John stood there beside me as she told us where she'd been she said they've moved him in the night and none of us knows where the stone's been rolled away and now his body isn't there we both ran toward the garden then John ran on ahead we found the stone and the empty tomb just the way that Mary said but the winding sheet that wrapped him in was just an empty shell and how or where they'd taken him was more than I could tell Something strange had happened there, but just what did not know. John believed a miracle, but I just turned to go. Circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high. Cause I'd seen them crucify him. Then I saw it. Back inside the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything I had promised him just added to my shame. When at last it came to choices, I denied I knew his name. And even if he was alive, it wouldn't be the same. Suddenly the air was filled with strange and sweet perfume Light that came from everywhere drove shadows from the room and Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide And I fell down on my knees and just clung to him and cried He raised me to my feet as I looked into his eyes Love was shining out from him Like sunlight from the skies Guilt in my confusion Disappeared in sweet release And every fear I'd ever had Just melted into peace
Christ is risen. Amen. And we've had such a wonderful day already together. Many of us came out this morning for a beautiful sunrise that the Lord painted for us. And we came and we worshiped the Lord and we sang some of the traditional Easter songs. And it was just a wonderful time together. And uh, so we're just, we're just thrilled. And it's just an exciting time to be together Easter Sunday morning. So uh, we're just so glad you are here today. And if you're visiting with us, we're just so uh, thankful that you're here. And if you're joining with us uh, through the stream, we're just glad that you're here with us today to celebrate our Lord's resurrection. What a great and wonderful time that we're going to have together. We're going to begin our worship time right now, and the choir is going to sing an a cappella number. So we just got through blasting away there, and now it's going to kind of tone down just a little bit, and then we're all going to stand, and we're going to be singing about Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. So uh, just listen to the choir as they sing the Easter song. Sing. 
And we sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, right? Let's do it again. Christ is risen. Amen. And that's what we're going to sing about right now. Let's all stand and let's sing. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.
he lives, we live. I this morning. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
ask Dr. Hughley if he would stand. There you are right there. And Dr. Hughley is going to stand, and he's going to have a special Easter prayer for us. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, how thankful you are to be a part of this time of great expressions of praise and thanksgiving to you, our living Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice in the joy that we have as we contemplate that we do not follow a dead leader, but we follow a living leader the Lord Jesus. And fathers, your word exhorts. We pray that as we contemplate the risen Lord and as we anticipate our responsibility as believers, help us to live the resurrected life, the newness of life we have in Christ Jesus. We pray, Father, that hearts will be lifted all across this audience today. We will continue to rejoice and speak of your glories and majesties as the Lord Jesus tears in his coming. We pray that we will be used. And then, Father, we lift our hearts together in behalf of our beloved pastor. Touch him, Lord, with things divine. Fill him with the Holy Spirit. God, use him to speak to hearts today. Prepare our own hearts to receive what we need to hear and what we need to apply in our lives. Thank you that we could be assembled and we express a prayer in behalf of our brothers and sisters all across the earth that are rejoicing in the risen Christ. We pray that their testimony and our testimony with them will make an impact upon our respective generations and peoples. We pray all of this in the glorious name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So you guys stand right there? Wow. Hey, look at this. Bacon. Well, I was, it, it's kind of leading into what I'm going to say I'm, with this bacon being here. Uh, we had a sunrise service today, and um, I made a decision. Uh, we're an elder-led church, so the elders make decisions together. But today I just thought, well, I'm just going to make this decision by myself. And we're just going to start meeting on Sunday mornings at 630. <laughs> Uh, pancakes and bacon or pancakes and sausage to follow every week. How does that sound? My um, staff would probably kill me. It's good to see you. And if you're visiting with us today, we're glad you're here to be a part of our service. Um, it's a privilege for the church to be able to gather. Uh, those who are in Christ, um, this is not just any day. It's a day that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But, but we know, right, that we can celebrate the resurrection of Christ every day. I think that's important to hear. 
Um, I'm going to ask you a question as we start our time together this morning. Um, the question for you to consider is, what have you done personally with the Lord Jesus Christ? With his death, with his burial, with his resurrection? It's something to consider if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus. I think by the time we wrap up the message this morning, it'll make a little more sense as to why I want you to think on that question. Um, I'm trusting that the Lord Jesus will minister this morning to everyone who's here. Uh, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, my prayer is today that you might come to know Him. Because it truly is an de eternal decision that you make to receive Christ or to reject Him. Uh, the Bible is very, very clear about heaven and about hell. It's not a popular message, but it's a true message. And so I trust that this morning the Lord Jesus will use our time uh, together. I would like for you to take your Bibles and go to the Gospel of Matthew in the 28th chapter. Matthew 28. And as you're turning there, I want to share with you this story about two men... Years ago, years ago, I think years ago, who were in England. These two men set out to disprove Christianity once for all. You know, there might be someone in here like that. It's hard to fathom that, but it could be. One was a well-known English jurist and literary scholar named Lord Littleton. The other was Gilbert West. And the two men agreed that Christianity rested on two major premises. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. You may have heard of him as the Apostle Paul. They felt like if you could break apart those two facts, as Christians believe, then you could topple Christianity. So, Gilbert West undertook the task to disprove the resurrection. That was his task. And Lord Littleton agreed to take on the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. But they had an agreement that they would separate for a time so they could devote themselves to breaking down these arguments. Here's the rest of the story. They separated, and when they came back together, little did they know that the other, in their time of study, had come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. In fact, Gilbert West became the author of a book on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, proving the resurrection of Christ, and Lord Littleton authored a book on the conversion of Saul. What would one say to that? The Lord. That's what we say. I don't know how you sit here today because I don't know the hearts of everyone here. You may be sitting here like a Gilbert West or Lord Littleton out to disprove Christianity. But obviously the Lord worked in the hearts of those men to bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ. 
And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, my prayer would be that you would come to know him. So I ask you the question, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? And if you do, what have you done with that message? That's what I want us to consider. That all comes from the text we will look at in Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read the first eight uh, verses, and I'm going to comment a little bit, okay? And then I'll go back and emphasize the things that um, the Lord has put on my heart and mind. Does that sound okay? So, and for those of you who came this morning at 5.30, 6 o'clock... Just stretch or do whatever it is. If you need to stand up while I'm reading, I don't care. You need to stay awake, all right? Here we go. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Now, most theologians believe this was um, Mary, the mother of James the Less, okay? Came to look at the grave. Now, the word look there does not mean glance. Sometimes we think of the word look as a passing glance. They came to investigate and to analyze, we could use those words, as to what was going on at the tomb. Behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and set upon it. I like that last little phrase, set upon it. The task was done, part of it. And his appearance was like lightning. That word there means it was a brilliant appearance. And his clothing as white as snow. Mark tells us that he was wearing a white robe. Okay? The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. You say, well, what does that mean? It means the guard shook for fear of him became like dead men. That's what it means. The word shook there is an interesting term. It, it refers to an earthquake. It's the same root word for earthquake. They were trembling. Have you ever seen someone who's trembling? If you were here at 6.30 this morning, there were some tremblers outside. They were shaking at least. None of them became like dead men or women, but it was pretty cold outside. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. They collapsed. And the angels said to the women, do not be afraid. So you have this, on the one hand, these guards who are um, shaking and collapsing, and you have the women who aren't. So what do you do with that? Well, the only thing I can think of is what it says here, that the angel had a personal message for them. And the message was, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. For he has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So part of the angel's response. Uh, responsibility was to roll away the stone, but part was to have a conversation with the ladies that were there. And the Bible says, verse 8, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. 
How many of you have spent time investigating this section of Scripture? Have you ever really kind of broke it down and looked at what was going on? Well, that's what the Lord wanted me to do, and so that's what I'm going to do for you this morning. And hopefully you'll leave with a little better appreciation for what went on with these women, okay, at the tomb. By the way, um, if you're a skeptic, right, in that culture, um, and you had one disciple writing about the occasion of the resurrection, would you really write to skeptics about women showing up at the tomb first? Would you do that? Would you do that? You don't know what to do. You don't know if you're like this. You would not do that because women in that culture, their word didn't mean a thing. In fact, legally, it meant nothing. If they had a testimony or were to testify about something, their word would not hold up. So isn't it interesting that while man has his way, God has his. And God would show to these women the resurrection of his one and only son. Not only would they be the first to the tomb, they'd be the first to see Christ. Isn't that amazing how God does all that? Well, so there's a lot to consider here, and I've only got a little bit of time, so I want to go back through this with you. Look at verse 1. He says, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. You might just want to pass over that phrase, after the Sabbath, but you should not. Because travel was demanded on the part of these women to go to the grave. And what do we know about travel and the Sabbath? You could not go over two-thirds of a mile on a Sabbath day. Okay, And so obviously that was an issue. And as you can see in the other texts, we'll show those verses in a minute. That was an issue. So they were to stay home on the Sabbath day and to rest. Okay? I want you to notice, um, this is not advancing. There it is. I've entitled this first verse, The Act of Love, because that's what we see. I want you to notice that not only does the author point out the Sabbath here, but I want you to notice uh, in the text that it tells us what they came to do. You say that in Matthew 28, it tells us what they came to do. Not necessarily, but the other gospel accounts give us their intent, what they intended to do. What was the expectation of these women? You say, oh, well, they came to see the resurrected Christ. Mm, That's not why they came. In fact, the Bible tells us in the gospel of Mark, in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 16, it says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene... And the mother of James and Salome. Okay, that's how you can pronounce that, not Salami. All right, Salome or Salome, it's also pronounced that way. So I say pick one. Um, Notice what it says. It says, they bought spices so that they might anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. It also tells us in Luke's gospel in the 23rd chapter that they prepared, look at this, they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. 
And notice the next statement. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment, which we had already touched on. So their intent was to go and to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus. So what were they expecting? A corpse? That's what they were expecting. Did they get the corpse? Answer, no, they didn't. Okay? Um, It was customary for the Jews to visit the graves within the first two to three days to anoint the body if if they wanted to. Um, And the reason for that was to cut down on the stench, okay, of the body to help uh, with the decomposition that would take place because as the body decays, it begins to stink. Did you know that? But there's something you need to know in Scripture about what it says about our Lord in decomposition. So I want you to do with something for me. I only ask you to do this once, but I want you to go back in your Bible to Psalm 16, and then I want you to put your finger also in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. And I want you to see the prophecy in Psalm 16. All right, Psalm 16 and verse 10. The psalmist says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. So what's the psalmist referring to? An event yet future, okay, in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you go with me to Acts in the second chapter, and you see verification of this prophecy. Isn't it amazing how the scriptures just connect themselves? You don't have to try to do it. They, they, they do it, all right? They work together. As, as Peter is preaching here in Acts chapter 2, he gets to a point where he's discussing David, and he, there's a little bit of comparison contrasting when it comes to David and the Lord. I want you to begin with me in verse 25 of Acts chapter 2. It says, For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor nor allow your Holy One to, what? Undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Verse 29, brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David. Now look at this. That he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. So, David, when they buried him, his body underwent what? Decay. Now, notice what it says in verse 30. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. Now it's important to point that out to you. You might go, well, that, that was kind of a long exercise. You could have just said his body did not undergo decay. Well, I could have said that and I did say that. 
But here's the thing. You have to be able to connect the dots, okay, in the scriptures. So it connects to what the women's um, trip was about. They went to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus because they expected a corpse. You know what? If you expect that Jesus underwent decay, you wouldn't be here today, I think. Right? Because we sing songs like, He is risen, He's alive. All right? What does that mean to you? Is it just something that, you know, is a phrase that you've heard that maybe you've used from time to time? Or is it true of your life that you believe He's alive? And that being alive, it's made a difference in your very own life. Do you know there will be people around the world today that will attend Easter services and won't attend another service maybe till Christmas. Did you know that? And that may not attend again till the next Easter. The question becomes, for me, as I consider the Lord of my life, my Lord is worthy of my attention every single day. So it's not just a setting like this. Well, these women were expecting a corpse I want you to notice something about um, their act of love as I refer to it. You know, in their act of love, they didn't measure initially, I don't believe, the obstacle because they prepared the spices. They went on their journey. But as they're on their journey, they consider that there may be an obstacle. Um, But the Lord took care of the obstacle. He took care of that obstacle. The obstacle was the stone that was in front of the tomb. But isn't that the way love does? Love doesn't see obstacles all the time, does it? It just does. It does what it's shown. Well, these ladies had an obstacle. That obstacle was the stone that was in front of the tomb. But the Lord took care of that for them. Right, And that's what we want to see as we move on in our study. The unexpected action. That's verse 2. Look at verse 2. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and set upon it. Let's be very clear about something. The stone was not rolled away so the Lord could get out. Do you understand that? The stone was rolled away so that man could see that indeed Christ had risen, that he was indeed alive. And so as we come to verse 2, the Bible tells us that this angel of the Lord rolled away the stone and sat upon it. It's interesting when you go to the Gospel of Mark, that the women, as they begin to walk there, (laughs) do pose this question. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for, for us from the entrance of the tomb? So as they're journeying to the tomb, that issue comes up. But it didn't keep them from buying the spices, preparing the spices, and making that journey toward the tomb. That's what the Bible says. Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away Although it was extremely large, all right? There's something that I wanted you to see 
from verse 2, and that's the angel's involvement in the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus. You know, people have some um, unusual thoughts in our culture about angels. Did you know that? Uh, Some people believe that when you die, then you get your angel's wings. There's no scripture and verse for that. Or that you become an angel. There's no scripture and verse for that. Angels, there are a lot of things attached to angels that just aren't true. Okay? But what is true is that angels were involved in the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus. I thought this was very, very interesting. Because as you look at the involvement of these angels with the Lord Jesus, they come at times when, when you're like, whoa. It's almost like heaven's response to what's going on with the Lord Jesus. You know the scene in, in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 tells us that there was speaking forth after the birth of the Lord Jesus... The Bible tells us, sometimes people look at it and say, well, they were singing. They weren't singing. The word means speaking forth. Listen to what was going on. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, praising God and saying, they were speaking forth, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. So they were involved at the incarnation. They were involved, Matthew's gospel tells us, they were involved after the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that angels, plural, came and ministered to the Lord Jesus. How many of us have ever thought about someone or something ministering to the Lord Jesus? Well, the Bible is very clear that the angels ministered to the Lord Jesus at his uh, temptation. And then also, the Bible tells us that the angels ministered to the Lord Jesus in his agony. When was the agony of the Lord? Do you know? Say it with a little confidence. Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus was sweating drops of blood. The Bible tells us that the angel came and ministered to the Lord Jesus during his time of agony. And then we have, obviously as we're seeing this morning, we have angels ministering to the Lord Jesus, um, or excuse me, uh, involved here with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. All right? Now we come to verse 3. It says, His appearance was like lightning, referring to the angels, Angel and his clothing as white as snow. We already spoke to that. But there's another interesting point, and that's verse 4. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Who were these guards? They were Romans. You remember um, when they were dividing up the garments of the Lord? How many angels, I mean, how many uh, soldiers were there? Four. The Bible doesn't tell us how many guards there were here at the tomb. I believe at least four. There were four that were divided, dividing the garments. I believe there were more than that. 
Because one of the issues was they were concerned with was the stealing of the body of the Lord Jesus. You say, who were they concerned with? The disciples. How many disciples were there at this point? Eleven. Well, I know they're Roman soldiers, but four and eleven, those are kind of different numbers. My thought is that there potentially could have been 15 to 20 guards at the tomb, certainly to combat anything that would come their way. Um, It seems to me that there were four that were divvying out there at the cross, the garments, there were at least four, and I would say up to 15. So the Bible tells us the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Can you imagine what that must have looked like? They just collapsed. And then the Bible tells us the angel knew what these women were doing. Notice verse 5. It says, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. And that's an interesting way to talk about it, right? He doesn't say, Hey, look, I know that you're looking for Jesus who is alive. No, says, I know you're looking for Jesus who's been crucified. Why was Jesus crucified? Why was he crucified? Sin. What does the Bible tell us about sin? That little word that our culture wants to avoid. The Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person who's ever lived. Every, that means you and me. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you thought much about the crucifixion in terms of sin, the weight of the sins of the world of all time on our Lord and on our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, angel says, I know you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. So what does the angel do? Affirm that the Lord Jesus was what? He was crucified and he was buried. He was dead. And these women are showing up because in their minds he was dead. How do you show up to church? Like he's dead or like he's alive? How do you show up at your office like he's dead or alive? You say, that's a dumb question. No, it's not. If you show up like he's alive, you got something to say. If you show up like he's dead, you don't have anything to say. You know, our world's not hearing enough today. He's alive. Well, then we come to verse 6. We come to the announcement. Notice verse 6. He continues on and he says, He is not here. What had to be going through their minds? Well, I think we're going to find out here in a second. He is not here for he has risen. Now notice these last little words, just as he said. Hold on a second. Jesus Christ prophesied his own death? 
I thought we'd just read about that like in the prophets and like Isaiah 53. No, no, no. The Lord Jesus himself talks about his own death and resurrection. Look at this. Matthew chapter 16. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. What's he saying? I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to, what? I'm going to live. I'm going to be raised on the third day. Matthew 17, verses 22 and 23 And while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. That sounds like something he just said the previous chapter. It was. Same thing. So Jesus himself prophesied about his own Death and his own resurrection. Now notice it, the, the, uh, what it says here. The angel is very careful to say, come see the place where he was lying. He was there. He was dead, but he is alive. He has risen. So what's the message of the angel? First, it's fourfold. Go, excuse me, come and see is the first message. As I was looking at this and studying, I was like, you know what? That's how people are when it comes to the resurrection sometimes. We like to talk about it. We like to speak about it. Even Christians do this. We like to talk about the facts of the resurrection. We're fascinated by the resurrection But sometimes it just stops there. But it needs to be more than just come and see. And the angel says, not only come and see, but the angel says, go and tell. Notice what it says here in the scriptures. It says, go and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee... And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So his message is not twofold. His message wasn't just, hey, come and see where he was lying. His message was, come, see, go, tell. That's the message. So as I thought about that, I thought, Lord, that's what you have told us to do. A little different because we're on this side of the resurrection. But the, the bottom line is we're not at the tomb. But we have the facts We have the word of God, so we come and we see and we study and we say, hey, yes, he's alive. But what do we do with that information? Well, the Lord Jesus, excuse me, yeah, the Lord Jesus through uh, the angel here expected that these women would go to the disciples. Notice it says, verse 7, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Now, on the one hand, when you look at that go and tell, you might go, well, that makes sense because when the disciples last knew, he was dead. Okay? So it makes sense from that perspective. Um, They needed to know that the Lord Jesus was alive. But when we think about this, 
as it relates to telling followers of Christ that the Lord Jesus is alive in terms of our application, that might seem kind of strange. It's one thing in that real time for the women to go to the disciples and say, hey, look, Christ is alive. But isn't it kind of odd when you think about it for believers to tell believers Christ is alive? Or is that odd? Is it odd? What do you think? Is it kind of crazy that we would come here this morning and look at another believer in the eye and say, Christ is alive? Is that odd? I don't think it's odd. In fact, the Bible tells us and gives us examples of the fact that believers do tell believers about the gospel. I want you to listen to these words. You don't need to turn there. But in the book of Romans, in chapter 1, I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. He's writing to believers and he's saying, hey, look, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But just before he says those things that we're familiar with, many skip over verse 15. Listen to verse 15. Paul writes to these believers, he says, So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you. What? Why would believers preach the gospel to believers? Why? Because we have the example in the scriptures of that taking place. These were followers of the Lord Jesus. The women... Go to the disciples as you continue to read. They tell them what takes place. So you have followers telling followers. You have believers today telling believers Christ is alive. I think more, now more than ever that message needs to flow out of our lips. Christ is alive because there are a lot of people in our culture who look at the Christian life and they go... Man, those people are weird. They're following a dead man. And we say, no, we're not following a dead man, man, but we're following the living God, the one who rose from the dead. And so the Bible tells us in Romans that that's what they did. Then, in the book of 1 Corinthians, listen to this passage. The Apostle Paul in the great resurrection chapter, in chapter 15, he's talking to believers, and he says, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, which I preached to you, so he had done it, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Listen to these words. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Delivered is past tense. I've already told you this. But he's telling them again. He says, I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. There are many ears, sets of ears in this audience. 
How do you hear that? Do you believe that Christ died for your sins? The Bible tells us, as he's talking to these believers, he says, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Believer, Paul, sharing with believers. We have the responsibility to continue to do that. You know why we do? When we share the good news of the gospel with each other, it encourages us. We're not the only ones. You say, with that, I can pick them out. No, 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 no. It's not about being able to say, well, I know they're a believer there. It's about us being together and sharing verbally. The Lord is alive. We have purpose. We have purpose in this life. There's a reason that I'm still alive, and that is to go and to tell. And we know the end result of this, that at the end of this chapter, the Lord tells uh, his disciples to do what? Hey, you go stay home, enjoy the rest of your life, retire, you know, kick your feet up. It's not what he tells them. In the chapter, as we have it recorded, and obviously there are a lot of things that transpire between these two sections, he says to his disciples who were followers of him, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I have the authority. Because I do, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He gave them a responsibility. And in the Acts account, we're told that he says, you're to be my witnesses, my martyrs in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And you know what they became? His martyrs. All but John was martyred. And he didn't have it rosy. All of them martyred because they believed what we read today. They believed that Jesus Christ was crucified. They believed that he was buried, that he was dead. They believed he rose again. And you just couldn't keep their mouths shut. If you read the book of Acts, their mouths were moving 100 miles an hour. Telling people about the gospel of Christ. I wrote these words down. One of my sons changed it and said, Thad's son wrote this, but Thad's son did not write this. I changed it back. Many followers or believers in Christ may stop with the fact and fascination of the resurrection, but it's clear from the text that the angel's charge was fourfold, not twofold. He just didn't say, come and see. He said, go and tell. That's what he told the women. And then later on, as we have it revealed in Matthew he tells his disciples to go. I don't know what happens to you when you come to the story of the resurrection. I, I don't know what a day like this means for you. Is it just about, you know, family getting together? Is it just about coming to church? Or is it about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's a story that's told I just want to tell you about this morning. It's a very interesting story. 
um, there were two men that were not believers. And these two men were approached by another man who was a believer. And he said to these two men, have you considered Jesus Christ? Just an on the street, open air type thing. And he goes up to him and says, have you considered Jesus Christ? And both of the men looked at him and each responded differently. One man said, I've considered him, but no thanks. And the other man looked at him and said, I hadn't considered him at all. He said, one of the guys said, well, why do you ask? He said, well, I'd like to introduce you to the one who changed my life. He said, change, one of the guys said, change your life? How did he change your life? He said, well, he gave me purpose. He gave me meaning. And I'm no longer just wandering about aimlessly in life. One of the guys said, ah, I've heard enough of that. And he walked off. The other gentleman said, well, I'd like to hear a little bit more. And so they sat down and they talked. For the next hour, they talked. And he shared with this man about the change the Lord Jesus had made in his life. Well, it kind of came to a conclusion. It kind of came to, in the story, it talks about coming to a really awkward moment. Or just kind of like silence. You ever had those moments? You understand that in the conversation. Kind of just came silent. And then the man looked at the believer and he said, well, I just don't believe I'm worthy to even consider being like a person who could be what you call saved. And he said, well, you know, before I came to Christ, this is what I was. And he began to outline his life. He said, I was a drunkard. And I went from drinking to being an alcoholic to abusing my wife leaving my wife and I'm wandering aimlessly on the road one day and a man comes up to me and asks me the question what have you done with Jesus Christ he said and I was in no position to answer the question he said I looked at him and said I don't know what have you done with him bad question because the guy sat there with him for the next hour or so two hours and talked with him about the change that Christ had made in his life. And by the time that man finished his story, this gentleman looked at him and he said, I'm not worthy, but he is. And that man on the streets of Chicago bowed his head and prayed to trust Christ as a Savior. All because one man was willing to go on the street and say to another man, have you considered Jesus Christ? Here's my question for you. I think the application for us is so clear if we believe. If we believe, we need to go and tell. If you're here today and you don't believe and you want to talk about what it means to become a Christian, I would love to sit down with you after we're done and pray with you and talk with you and just... Ask the Lord to work in your heart because there's nothing greater than salvation. Every single person in this room 
is facing death. And the question becomes, how will you die? Will you die in your sins apart from the Lord? Or will you die knowing that you have hope, hope in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you, Lord, for your saving grace. I want to thank you for stories like this man who was willing to stand on the streets of Chicago and just approach people about what they do with Christ. And one walked off, but the other stayed. I wondered, as I read that story, since that man got saved, I wonder if he went and told his buddy. Um, I don't know. I, I certainly hope so. Or we may be guilty of living in a Christian culture where we are fascinated with the facts, fascinated with the scriptures that tell us about who our Lord is, but maybe we need to take another step and just not only say, hey, I, I know I belong to the Lord, but I want other people to belong to the Lord and take that step of, of sharing the gospel with others, the life-changing gospel. So if that's one of us, myself or others, I pray that we would make that bigger commitment to do that. Uh, to be like one of those disciples like Peter, as I think through the book of Acts, he just couldn't stop talking about you. Um, and Lord, if there's some here today that do not know you, I pray that today could be the day of salvation where someone here would come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Thank you for what we celebrate today. Thank you for who we celebrate today. And I pray that you would give us, Lord, just a boldness to share the truth of your gospel. I thank you for the testimony of, of these ladies that we have in the scriptures and the act of love that was there. And I pray, Lord, that the act of love we would have would be to go and to tell others about you. Um, may we honor you in our day. And uh, we pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, guys, a song that we're going to close out with today um, kind of takes a step back. And it um, takes a broad look at the gospel all the way from the start through the resurrection. And it challenges us, uh, like Dad was saying, how are we going to respond uh, to the truth? And, um, you know, Thad asked the question, what does the resurrection mean to you? Well, for me, the resurrection means that everything that Jesus said um, about who he is, about who man is, about the reality of existence, everything, all of it's true. And so in light of that, it means Jesus is God. He was God. He was who he said he was because he came up out of that grave. These are the words of Paul. Uh, right before we sing, I just want to read this. And, uh, go through and see what Paul had to say. And remember, if he, rose from the, if he rose from the grave, then this is true, what I'm about to read. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. 
whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things are created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That's what we celebrate today. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. God of creation There at the start Before the beginning of time Fleshed out the wonder of life And as you speak A hundred pair galaxies are born In the vapor of your breath planets form Stars are made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you made. Every burning star, a signal fire of grace. Creation sings your praises, so will I. God of your promise, you don't speak in vain, no syllable empty your voice. Once you have spoken, on nature and science, follow the sound of your voice. As you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath. Everything upheld by what you said. It only reveals your nature so alive. I can see your heart in everything you say. Every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. Creation still obeys you, so will I.
so alive So alive If the stars were made to worship So alive Bowing reverence, so alive. The oceans roar your greatness, so alive. For if everything exists to lift you high, so alive. The wind knows where you send it, so alive. The rocks cry out in silence, so alive. The sum of all our praises still falls shy. for some of you and I just want to thank you for making that extra effort today and 
especially those who cooked for us and, and did all that preparation. We appreciate that. And if you're visiting with us today, we're glad you've been a part of our services today. And um, trust you'll come visit us and see us again. And um, if there is uh, one or more, they'd love to, I'd love to talk with any of you who want to know more about the Lord Jesus. So why don't we stand and let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, I think we'll just close with a simple prayer by saying thank you. Thank you for considering us. Help us to live for you today. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.